Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. sunshine i'm alexi lawson welcome to the state of the union podcast again and as always or at least over the last month here from a doha guitar site of the world cup uh this is presented by state farm uh, as it has been through the last month and we thank state farm for that um mossy's here my good friend david mossy and look we've added somebody else hi gents the great, great Stu Holden has graced us with his presence here tonight. Well, remains to be seen whether how much grace there is going to be. Please don't screw this up, Stu. Okay, uh, you'll be on your best behavior. We come to you after the third place game, uh, a game in which Cro uh, Croatia ended up winning. So that means last cycle, last World Cup, they finished second. This uh, World Cup, they finished third. Undoubtedly a success uh, for Croatia. Um, Morocco, still an incredible World Cup. They ended up finishing uh, finishing fourth. Uh, it was a third place game that was exciting, at least in the first half. It was a, a third place game that was expansive, back and forth, goals, set pieces, and that kind of stuff. So ultimately, an, an entertaining third place game. What do you think, Mossy? I agree. The fact that the third place game doesn't mean a whole lot actually typically lends it to being an entertaining game because the teams go whoa, for whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, What do you mean doesn't mean a lot? Mossy, come on. There's a huge difference between third and fourth, though, right? This like, was, historically? This was, this was a big debate during the last Women's World Cup. We covered Eni Aluko, who finished third with England in 2015. Right. Uh, England played in the third place match in 2019 and kind of blew it off, and Phil Neville said it didn't matter. She took great offense to that. She yeah. insists that with it does her on matter. That. Yeah. I, I think it also suffers from a, a, a poor branding, right? I mean, in the Olympics, you have gold, silver, and bronze. And you have the and podium, so, and if you're not and on the, the podium, yeah, so you're, kind of, yeah. They could do something. I mean, look, I, I think the World Cup is better than the Olympics, but I think in this instance, it puts more, it, it puts more value to that third-place game. Regardless, we all are always wondering what players are going to take it seriously, yeah. what teams are going to take it seriously. Luckily for us today, both of the teams came out. They put on a show. They scored goals. I think they both took it seriously. Hats off to both of these teams. Uh, first, I'll start with, uh, with Croatia. Punching above their weight to a certain extent. And I said on air, and I think it's important in the context of the United States, where people have told me constantly, a country our size, we should be incredible and we should be winning the World Cup. If that was the case, then China would win the World Cup or India would win the World Cup. It's not always about size. It's ultimately about the plan that you have. And while I think you do have an advantage when you have more people playing the game, and I would love more people to be playing in the game, uh, the game there's also kind of an opportunity that arises when you have a smaller population with a agreed-upon type of way that they want to play. Uh, the characteristics shown through, I think it's passed on from generation to generation, but 
a lot of credit has to be given to the Federation and that culture that exists in Croatia to be able to consistently now produce not just good individual players, but national teams that can not only compete, but get third place and yeah. second place in the last two World Cups. I, I think this becomes now the bigger challenge for Croatia is over the next two years now before the Euros is bringing through that next generation. They do have some exciting young players. I think we saw who probably will be the best young player at this tournament, Vardiol. What a tournament he had other than one moment against Messi, which will be replayed over and over and over in highlight reels. But that's a forgivable player to <laughs> have a moment, moment like that. Yeah, you get by rinsed Messi, by okay. Messi in a semifinal. Fine. Um, but now it is going to be like, this is the end for Modric. It's probably the end for Perisic. Yeah. Brozovic pro probably has a another cycle in him as well. But like this is now you have to introduce this next group of, of talent. What they have been able to achieve, though, I don't think we can downplay how significant it is to get to a final of a World Cup and then follow that up with, again, this one getting to a third-place game and finishing third place. It's incredible. Like, Belgium, you know, got to the semifinals and lost. And we were thinking this was going to be the last ride of their generation. No, they went out in the group. So hats off to Croatia. Incredible story. And uh, we'll see what comes from this team. But yeah, Vardiol and Jerome Boateng can get together for a beer and then <laughs> yeah. discuss getting posterized by uh, Messi. No, but I agree. And listen, they finished third in 98 uh, World Cup. You took part in Davar Suka, remember? Uh, so that's three top three finishes in a relatively short period of time here for this nation of four million people. So it is an incredible achievement for and sure. And then, you know, we've talked about Morocco all along with this tournament and what it has meant not just to the, to the country, but to the sport and to the region. And so... You know, absolutely kudos to Morocco, and even though they ended up finishing fourth place, what they brought to this tournament, the fans, the passion, the recognition, the credibility from this Morocco team doing what they did, I think that that will live long, and mm -hmm. this team will be talked about for a, a long time. I hope it's not an anomaly, either when it comes to this particular team or other teams from the region. I hope that more uh, come up, and with the bigger World Cup yeah. coming in, uh, in 2026 with 48 teams, hopefully this is not the last that we see of Morocco or this, this area of the world. Uh, you know, I, I think it brings up a, an interesting discussion about spreading the game around and being in different places and regions. World Cup goes to South Korea in 2002. South Korea gets to a semifinal. I know Morocco is a Northern African team, but it felt like they had a ton of support here in the Middle East and in many ways sure. became the team of the Middle East reaching a semifinal. What an achievement. It's unfortunate that you put so much energy into that game. You come to the third, fourth place game, you lose two in a row, but it takes nothing away from what they were able to achieve. It actually gets me excited and also I think puts more pressure now in CONCACAF teams, Canada, Mexico, United States. Over to you. Like this is now 2026 in our homeland. Quarterfinals, I think, becomes the minimum expectation for the United States. Mexico should get the Quinto Partido, and Canada, I think, need to be thinking about not only getting out of their group, but as well, like thinking about how far can these teams go because the significance of familiarity with a region, with home support, with everything, it's not just like lightning in a bottle. I think it's a culmination of all those things. So it's great to see. I love seeing a team outside of Europe and yep. South America being in a semifinal. In 2026, Gio Reyna will be hitting his stride. I think that <laughs> World Cup will be even better than this one for him. We had uh, Gio's father actually on set yeah. today. He came to visit us. Did you, with, uh, uh, did you bring it up at all? Any conversation? I, I asked him, how's yeah. your boy? Yeah. He said he's fine. He's, on, yeah. he's uh, getting a break and on vacation. And so, yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I mean, I think we saw Tim Ream coming out yeah, after yeah. and saying, look, this is a story. I think it's just, just going to move always, on. As always, it's sensationalized at a point. Yeah. It's somewhere in the middle. What's going to be interesting is what comes next. All right, before we kiss off Morocco, uh, we should be uh, we should uh, let everybody know that uh, Morocco is going to play a big part going forward. Yeah. Uh, the Club World Cup, 
Uh, it is announced will be in February in 2023. The 2022 version of the Club World Cup will be in 2023, February, hosted by Morocco. Uh, our own Seattle Sounders uh, from Major League Soccer representing uh, CONCACAF, Real Madrid, uh, Flamengo. Let me make sure I put my glasses on here. On. Um, uh, Casablanca, Al Ali, uh, Auckland City. Uh, and, you know, this is, this is going to be fun. And this is going to be unique and the last time that we see this small type of World Cup because Johnny Infantino, he gets in front of a podium and he says stuff and <laughs> things change. Uh, we, we, you know, he went all so he, he talked about all sorts of things, including the decision by FIFA to make the Club World Cup going forward. The next one will be 2025. <laughs> 32 30, teams. Two <laughs> so, teams. Now Come listen, on down. I don't know how this is all going to play out because there were very little, very few details. Ideally, what ends up happening, from especially from a U.S. perspective, is this becomes that whole Confed Cup that used to be the you know the uh, dry the, the primer for the World Cup. 32 teams. Maybe the U.S. hosts that in the summer, and it's got to be in the summer. So for a lot of these club teams, they'll be kind of in preseason MLS. I don't know how it's going to work from an MLS perspective, but we might have that 32-team uh, tournament come to the U.S. and Canada and Mexico as a primer for 2026 yeah. in the form of a Club World Cup. No, no, no details yet, but anyway. I've expressed my reservations over this idea. A couple of issues I have. Um, first of all, club football doesn't operate in four-year cycles, so I find it a little weird that we're going to have this big club World Cup every four years. I, I don't know. That that just sort of rubs me the wrong way. And number two, I hate this notion that, well, what we're doing now isn't working, so anything different must be better. But if the different thing you came up with is only accentuating the thing that's making the current format not work, and I think the biggest issue with the Club World Cup now is the dominance of the European clubs. Mm -hmm. They've won the last nine editions, 14 of the last 15. But right now, it's only one European club, which you could catch on the wrong day. The ball bounces the wrong way. The final in this past edition, Palmeiras Chelsea went to extra time. A couple of years ago, Flamengo took Liverpool to extra time, so at least feel like there's a chance in this expanded format you're going to have eight European clubs in it, and so what are the odds that one of them is not going to win it? I, yeah. I, I Honestly, I think it's, we're going to end up with six or seven of the quarterfinalists being European. It's going to be even more farcical than it yeah, is now. Yeah, and, and in a weird point in the season, right? right? Like in the middle of the year when most of these teams really are in, as you said, preseason. Well, maybe that's the great equalizer then, is what, that a that lot of these teams are in preseason yeah, and they might have to play younger players or less experienced players, not in form, all that kind of stuff. Who knows? Hey, maybe. you know what? I'm just excited we got an American team in this right? Club World Cup that will take place next year. We might get the chance to see the Seattle Sounders taking on Real Madrid. It has been a long time. In fact, in the newest iteration of the CONCACAF Champions League, it has never happened that an American team is in. So it'll be awesome to, to watch this. I, I can't wait for this edition. I still need a little more time to process what 25 is going to be like because, as you said, Mossy, this has been like the dry run year before the World Cup, and in many ways a great experience for these national teams. A club team, as you said, is not right. the same as a national team in the way in which they prepare. Uh, the, the cadence is so different. So I yeah, get for the like teams it doesn't. Find something, the teams like, hey, it's not a prep. This, this year. For teams it's not a prep. It. But, you know, but yeah. maybe for there was a lot of talk about this upcoming Club World Cup taking place in the United States, which would have gotten LAFC in it because the domestic yeah. uh, winner yes. of the host yeah. nation. Uh, I remember going into the MLS Cup, LAFC Philadelphia. John Strong and I were talking about this. Should, should he mention on the air that that's even a possibility that this game might also be for a Club World Cup berth? As it turned out, it wasn't. But yeah, you do have Seattle there, who, by the way, are coming off a season where they missed. <laughs> the MLS 
MLS playoffs, so we'll see what kind of Seattle Sounders team shows up. But I'm excited to have Flamengo in there. Uh, like I said, the last time they were in it, they took Liverpool to extra time, actually played a great game in the final. You've got Gabigol and Pedro, who was at this World Cup, oh, Everton Rebedo. So, you mentioned at this World Cup. You mentioned, yeah, you mentioned Real Madrid, Seattle. I'm excited for a potential Seattle Flamengo game, so I'm hoping that the draw <laughs> oh sets it up that way. All right, can we, can we, do we bury the lead here? I mean, we're the night before the World Cup final, all right? Go, can we at yeah. least get to that here? Uh, before we get to the actual game, and I want to hear your thoughts on that, Stu. This is the night before a World Cup uh, final. You are going to call a World Cup final. You are in that seat that so many would love to be in. Give us a little peek behind the curtain as to how you approach calling a World Cup final. You've done it before, okay? So that's nothing new necessarily, yeah. but this is a big game. Millions of people are going to be watching. You're old hat now, even though you're a young man. Uh, and I just, uh, you know, I tell everybody out there what what happens here in the next 24 hours. Yeah, I, I think one of the the interesting parts about calling the more important games as you go is that you actually find yourself downshifting in a different way. Like in the in the group stage, you're, you're focused more on storytelling about countries and teams that people haven't seen yet. There's a lot to process in the beginning games because you're trying to, you know, set up the narratives of what it was coming in. And then as the tournament goes, you're winding your way. And then as the games, I, I think this is just my personal and, and my John and I's process is that when you get to like semifinals, it's the game is the game. And you don't you want to add to the game, but you want the game to speak. And mm -hmm. I find myself talking less. Uh, I, the games are tighter tactically. So you get in, you get out, uh, you let the crowd play in. And then when it comes to the World Cup final, I do less prep for this game than I've done the whole tournament because I've seen these teams so many times now. I'm so many f familiar with set pieces and style of play and maybe what coaches will do and substitution patterns. So, you know, I'll go over my notes again tomorrow morning. I'll watch again, you know, there maybe some different things they've tried in, uh, in semifinals versus quarterfinals. But, like, I think the hardest challenge you have is just to prepare yourself for when that moment comes. If Messi scores the goal and he's lifting that trophy – how do you how do you live to that and how do you add to it in a way that you know speaks to the moment as opposed to taking away from it so i think a lot about it i personally never prepare you know like messy magical marvelous wow what a, you know because i just don't think that like if i try to deliver that line that it's going to you know feel authentic to what i'm feeling yeah. so um that that's the stuff i'm excited about i know john you know he had his his wonderful opening monologue uh the greatest collective experience that we have as human beings i keep saying i don't know man how are you gonna top that tomorrow buddy <laughs> like it's gonna have to be a big one uh but i i just can't wait like the, these there's so many storylines you just gotta let the game be the game and follow it follow its lead well i think a lot of I'm us excited. Uh, can can get on board with Stu talking less right i mean uh, in, in any type of situation <laughs> i'm just kidding the man does an incredible job and <laughs> I love listening to you, and I'm and I'm so proud uh, to have you as a as a colleague and everything that you have done. Like I said, from a very. Uh you're still a very young man, and uh, you're incredibly fortunate, but there's a reason why you are sitting in that chair, not that, that chair there, but the chair that you're going to be sitting in uh, tomorrow, because you're, you're damn good. Yeah, we love We it, are man. incredibly fortunate uh, to you, have brother. you. Uh, Stu, oh, uh, uh, whoever the losing team is uh, tomorrow, you'll be able to relate to what they're experiencing, because you lost the final of the Legends game here, oh. correct? Oh. <laughs> Gosh, it still hurts, Mossy, like, Mossy. everywhere down here. Well, at, right le now. at least you played. There were some on the stage <laughs> yeah, who... Yeah, you know what? There was a defector. Uh, Yes. Uh, from our team, a redheaded defector. He's, he may or may not be sitting to my left over here. He ditched us for the semifinal. Uh, we didn't need him to get to the final. We had a wonderful sub called Cafu. You might have heard of him. Oh, uh, here we go. It he always comes back to a Brazilian. 
Uh, but yeah, we, we came up short. But you know, n nothing to be ashamed of, guys. We lost to Cafu, Kaká, Maxi Rodriguez, uh, Lugano. You know, the list goes on. It was it was a wonderful. It was experience, fun. So it was cool. Time. The Legends game was cool. I can't feel my knee, um, and it's, I'm definitely getting <laughs> I'm it replaced. I have, you know, the biggest thing is that I came out healthy. No, Stu. My for for, so, for those of you do, that don't know, oh. Stu Holden had a partial <laughs> knee replacement. Okay, he's had horrible knees. Yeah. Obviously, incredible injuries over his career. Had a knee replacement. Okay, I mean, this is like a, a big surgery right and he is back and I can tell you because I've played with him before and I play with him after <laughs> he is a new man and yes. you know I'm glad I'm glad because the quality of life is very very it's important good. he's got young kids so if you're thinking about it go for it this was the first time that he played <laughs> soccer and it brought it you know certain things bring a tear to my eye it was actually really yeah. cool to see him running around doing what he loves and something that he couldn't do for a long time so thank you uh, thank to you. modern medicine and to yeah, your surgeon no, and everything out there. last note on this seriously guys like I, I have been through a lot of injuries and all that and uh, that last night for me like just playing as a part of that it gave me so much joy it made me feel like a kid we can all relate of people out there doing things that, that bring you and stoke a certain type of emotion it felt like playing with your, your buddies again like it was for me mentally a huge thing to get over my first time playing since a knee replacement I was like I'm glad I did it, man. You you might be next on the line. All right, all right well, cool. Uh, listen, <laughs> we're, we're not going to go too deep in, ter in terms of a preview of tomorrow. We talked a lot about it all this week. Uh, just, just just some top-line types of stuff, Mossy, that you're thinking as we are 24 hours away from the final. Uh, I've been saying it throughout the tournament, I'm enamored of Lionel Scaloni and the job he's doing. Uh, to think that he was basically like a glorified Dave Sarakin at the start of this cycle, a placeholder until they were going to hire a real coach. And then he did so well that they, they kept him on. They removed the interim tag, and here he is. And, you know, he's been tweaking the lineup from game to game. There's a lot of talk that it's going to be a back three tomorrow. Yeah, I was curious, actually, what you were thinking. Romero, Otamendi, and Lisandro Martinez with Acuna and Molina as the wingbacks, and then midfield three of Enzo, Enzo DePaul, and McAllister, yeah. and then just Messi and Alvarez as a front two. Uh, I think that's probably what we're going to see. That seems to be the scuttlebutt in the Argentinian media. What, what would you make of that? You know, it's, it would be interesting to me because I, I felt like he did that to match up with Louis van Gaal in Netherlands and go with the back five. And we saw at the end, you know, when they were under pressure, France won't play as direct at that. I actually think it's a smart way to start the game, knowing that you can always remove Lissandro Martinez at, you know, maybe the 60th minute mark and go to a more attacking way if you want. We've seen finals. I think we had the anomaly in 2018, getting that 4-2 game with Croatia and France. This one is going to be that tactical, slow, methodical match. No team wanting to open up. Messi maybe creates a play. Mbappe, it's going to be a mistake, I think, that will lead to the opening game. And I think what Scaloni has done is said, like, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I don't want to open up defensively because I have a guy that can create a play from nothing and two guys up front that will work really hard so I absolutely could see him starting with the three and I would do it because it gives you a little bit more cover on the right that's what it and is. it allows allows Molina to then get forward into the attack which is has been one of Argentina's strengths too yeah we, we keep calling it a, a three but it, it can be that five and then you can double team over there Mbappe. Uh, for Mbappe yeah. over there so. and then France my only question assuming everybody's healthy we know we've had this virus and so let's say everybody's fit and available Ten of Jenny the 11, was reporting that everybody's okay. Yeah. Ten oh. of the 11, I'm sure about. Lloris in goal, it'll be Koundé on the right, Teo Hernandez on the left, Varane is one of the two in the middle, and then Rabiot and Chouamini, Griezmann, Dembele, Mbappe, Giroud. Um, I wonder about Upamecano versus Konate. Yeah, that's a good one. Because I think Konate is the better player, but it, he seems to prefer, all things being equal, Upamecano. What do, what do you mean? But, 
So we'll go to the center back after this, but I thought Upamakano had an awful game against England <laughs> and you know was lucky not to have conceded a penalty, got continually rinsed. Um, and I, you know, imagining him now against the movement of Messi and Julian Alvarez and you know that type of stuff, I would worry about him diving in, dangling out a leg, and Messi says, Thank you, penalty. If I was Didier Deschamps, I would play Konate because you kept a clean sheet in the semifinal. You looked a lot more solid at the back. He had a great game as well alongside Varane. That's the partnership. I like the partnership, the continuity. And while Upamakano is a great defender, he just looked a little, the moment looked a little too big for him in that quarterfinal. And I think that if you have a guy now that is coming off a great 90 minutes, give him the game again. I, I think I would give him the final. Center back there, Lalas? Yeah, no? Yeah. yeah. They, they look better and, and more secure. And they haven't gotten punished for some of the boneheaded mistakes that they made, not just in, in the last game, but at times throughout this tournament. And so I don't know, you know, they're, they're, they're living on a prayer. <laughs> so if they, if they keep doing Who's a better goalkeeper, do you think? Uh, Emiliano Martinez. Really? Yeah. Better than Lloris. Than Lloris. I, I, I think so. Although Lloris has had a He's sneaky a great good tournament, tournament yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of big picture questions. Um, you're bullish on the fact that if Messi wins tomorrow, he is the greatest player of all I time. Am, there is yeah. no debate. You're not ready to go there. Not even if he lifts the World Cup trophy. No. Why not? Because it's subjective. It's a personal opinion. Well, I'm asking you why. Why is your opinion? Because he doesn't move me in the way that other people move me. So... What but do you mean? I don't you stack his accolades against, you know, I know Pele had the, the three World Cups, but, you know. Okay, so there's Pele. If somebody said Pele. But the second go. one, what, he played uh, yeah, one game? 62, he got injured in the second group yeah. game, didn't play the rest of the tournament. But, but Rob Stone, wise, Rob, what, he, what Messi's been able to achieve, uh, the Copa America that he won, and then sure. if he lifts a World Cup in what today is a very different game than the past, uh, you know, I just think that, like, we've talked, Messi's in the conversation before he's won a World Cup. Of course. Of course so he's in the he conversation. World Cup, I feel like it's not even a debate. Okay. Well, I mean, I there's th always a debate because I we love that, to debate. I think, I that, there is a I think that there is a, a, a debate. You know, having said that, okay, I can, I can be wooed. I can be <laughs> wooed uh, by as those. As far as Messi to Ronaldo, though, where, I mean, that would put you... No, but you conceded the other night. If Messi wins a World Cup, that does put him above. Right? Oh, above, above, Ronaldo, uh, above yeah. Cristiano. Above Ronaldo. Cristiano. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying because those two have been, no. you know, slot. And like it, it look. does, but you know, then you have to have your criteria. Rob Stone the other night, because he's this is what Rob Stone does in the middle of the night when we're sitting at the <laughs> bar, uh, yeah, and he he brought up, well, why does it have to be a goat? Why can't it just be Mount Rushmore and stuff like that? And we all said, Come because on, that's Rob. not the debate. All right. Every, we wouldn't get clicks sport. on the stream if we just did that every, every time. single sport says who the goat is and it's this and that and there's the debate and there's no there's no criteria there's no formula to just spits out well this is the goat it's whoever you believe that it is yeah. and if you are waiting for that moment and that happens tomorrow i completely concede that that is a huge huge you know nugget that you can put in your pocket mbappe if Mbappe wins... Oh, there you go. Oh, oh am God. I leading into the next... No, no, that's, no, exactly, no, 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 no. that's exactly what you uh, should say. Yeah, if Mbappe wins, he's in uh, uncharted territory. He's he's above Pelé already yep. at 20. So why isn't he the greatest player to ever play the game? He could be. No, why isn't he now? Because he hasn't done what Messi's done at a club level yet. That, that's all part of the equation. Mbappe's yet to win a Champions League, right? He's, he's got time on his side. I mean, the guy could win four World Cups. France but are going to be in the mix every time. I, the, the club... Situation, I, I I understand, well, to a certain extent, because when we are comparing apples to oranges like Brazil and Argentina and, t and players that play for those types of national teams, you get to pick your club situation. And 
a club situation is often relative to the money and to the talent that is amassed around you as opposed to yeah. as opposed to a national team. So, look, I mean, this is, these are the debates. These are the wonderful debates uh, <laughs> that we ultimately have. It is interesting we're talking about two PSG players and Messi yeah. and Mbappe in a it's World amazing, Cup in huh? Qatar. You know, the Qatar government essentially owns PSG, so it has been a great showcase for that club. Uh, one last thing I was thinking about big picture is we talk about Messi and Argentina from a legacy standpoint, but what this would mean for France as a footballing nation. For most of my life of following the sport, the Mount Rushmore of footballing nations was Brazil, Germany, Italy, and Argentina. From 1930 through 2006, every World Cup final featured one of those four nations. And France was kind of second tier, almost like what we view Portugal now. Yeah. Produce really good players, but they never win anything. And then you, you see what they've done since 98. Won at 98, lose 2006 final on penalties. And then if they were to win these back-to-back -back World Cups, I mean, it, it takes them to another stratosphere yeah. where, you know, they, I would think they would leapfrog Argentina in terms 100%. of my all-time... Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that even considering what France coming into this tournament, uh, defending champs, last three have gone out in the group stage and they haven't made it. Oh, no, Benzema's gone. Kante, Pogba. <laughs> As Lexi says, I, uh, hello, my friends, we are be okay. Uh, uh, Alexi, okay. Alexi loved that baguette line. He dropped it like three <laughs> yeah. times. And today, you'll hear it again tomorrow. Here, <laughs> keep behind the curtain, ladies and gentlemen. Rinse and repeat. If it's good, play the hits. That's uh, what we do. You know, the, the, they, could, they have t incredibly talented individuals, always play at big clubs. But can we give a nod to Didier Deschamps as well? Sure. Good grief. I mean, the guy won the World Cup as a player. He's on the verge of back-to-back -back World Cups as a coach. He's been there for 11 years and, like, never seems flustered. He's just always like, oh, I'm going to move you here and there, and it's going to work perfectly. Just trust me. I'm going to play Antoine Griezmann. You were one of our leading scorers in 2018. You're going to play as a number eight. And you're just going to run the show from deep. Yeah, sure. Okay, coach. Perfect. Okay, here's, here's the final question before we go here. Of the four <clears throat> coaches that were in the final four, obviously the, 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 uh, uh, the final and then the third place game, which coach, Scaloni, right? Deschamps, Regregi, and Dalic, right? So that's what was the four, yeah. If the U.S. Soccer Federation oh, had I an opportunity to hire one of those four, who would it be? Mossy? Uh, I'd probably go Scaloni. I'm enamored of the man. You're, a, you're just fanboying out on him, huh? <laughs> All right. Does that right. hurt you a little bit as a Brazilian? With the, it does. <laughs> the Argentine. <laughs> you? That's what he's like. I got to go with Scaloni. Gosh. I would go with Scaloni as well um, because I think he's a younger coach, would relate and have the right touch with our young group of players. Not to say that, you know, I don't think Deschamps would uh, – what, what he's shown is almost like the Carlo Ancelotti of the international game of – you know, has the gr the great feel for the group, knows how to get the right mix and people and personalities and management, um, and then as well as just like astute tactical uh, stuff as well. I think if we had a little bit more of an experienced team, which I guess in 26 we will have a bit more of an experienced group, uh, but yeah, I I think, I'd like to see Scaloni. Man, I think it's hard to have someone that has driven a Ferrari, and that's all that they have driven, and that's where their success has been, to then have them drive a VW Bug, all right? I'm more Are we the VW bug? Yeah, we're the Why VW about a Ford bug. Mustang? Okay, but it doesn't mean you can't drive it fast. It Can doesn't we go mean with you some American muscle at least. Uh, American muscle car. Okay, there you okay. go. Whatever. Do, do <laughs> something like that. So, I mean, to to have somebody that can do more with less and has proven not just to do more with less, to do something the US has never done. So you'd go with the Morocco coach. Absolutely. Regragui, huh? Absolutely Regragui. Oh, based on 10 games or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he knows he knows what he's doing.
He knows what he's doing. He knows how to motivate the players. He recognizes what they are good at, what they're not good at. He's not worried about but being don't they romantic. they do that in their own way? No. What do you mean? Scaloni's going to get to the national team camp, throw the ball out, and go, but, you know, many, oh, wait, there's no Messi here. What the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah, well, hold on. Many many coaches before have tried that with Argentina, and it hasn't worked. So, okay, you I'll know, just, he's, he's got, he's got okay. that little, uh, you smell that? Well, listen. It's excellence. Uh, uh, let us know what you think. <laughs> if if they were to hire somebody of the four, let's just keep it to the four right now. Tell us, tell us what you think. I asked this question of everybody, and nobody knows the answer. Okay. If Didier Deschamps wins tomorrow, he'd be the second manager to win two World Cups. Do you know who the other one is? The guy who is the only one to do it as of today. I don't know. It's a good trivia question. Vittorio Pozzo, Italy, 1934 and 1930. This is the second time that he has brought this I was gonna up call, on the pod. I thought I was going to get a phone he, friend. I was going to call John he Strong. He just loves, <laughs> uh, loves doing this. I uh, made Landon Donovan look foolish by asking him that question. Well, that's no feat. I mean, you know. <laughs> I will wow. say, by the way, this There's is a, a couple people catching strays. <laughs> this was, this was, <laughs> Dave Sarakin catching a mossy stray. <laughs> this was not something I predicted. This was, a, this was a big night for Stu because <laughs> Landon has made a couple of guest appearances on this pod during this World Cup, and he was kind of creeping up on Stu for My cap. Most my favorite Kaplan, guest, yeah. but you have reestablished yourself. Okay. Well, my you, are, you brought it, buddy. I'm still the, you are I'm the, still the Christine Lilly of you, the uh, you State it. of the Union pod. You brought it. You brought it, my There's friend. another one of our teammates, which yep. you deserted. She was she was wonderful, though. Uh, she had a good time. I did not desert. I was out <laughs> promoting, all right? I was out making sure that America understood that on Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time, there's only one place that you need to be. That is in front of your television watching Fox because me and my good friend Stu and all all of the team and men and women in front of the camera and behind the camera are going to give you what you want. Whether you know it or not, you want this. Argentina versus France. That's what I was doing, my friend. I, love I was your promoting energy, the game. Okay. I was pro promoting the World Cup final because I love it. It lives right here in me, all right? <laughs> and I want America to know that. It's cold in America. Everyone I talked to, all right? I was talking to Atlanta and Dallas. I was, oh, it's so cold in America. You don't have to get out of bed. All right, stay in bed. If you're alone in bed, I'm sorry, but stay, stay in bed, all right? Pull the covers up. If you're with somebody, even better. Pull the covers up. Stay in bed, all right? And listen to me scream and yell about the greatest game on God's green earth. France versus, who are they playing against? You know, Argentina. Argentina. You know, at, at the end of that, you're supposed to drop the mic. No, I'm not dropping it. I'm, I'm not dropping the mic. I know there's, there's still <laughs> more to good, come. Buddy. Thank you. Thank bring you. That, just save a little for tomorrow. Don't I know you, you got worry. The there's tank. always something know, in reserve here, my friend. Hey. Uh, anything before we go, Mossy? That's it. Anything, Sue? No, just a thanks to you boys, man. You guys have been cranking oh, it out. Seriously. Everybody's been great. Everybody's Lighting been that great. candle at both ends, as we say, we, all uh, month we, long. We have been having a wonderful time. Here we are, day time. 38 on the eve. And it's amazing. Two days it's, left, one game, is, baby. Let's go. Let's rock it. It is amazing. Man, so, uh, yes, uh, the game is tomorrow. Uh, we cannot wait to do it. You know, sometimes we, we write out what, what we want to have happen. And in television, especially in sports, it never, well, it rarely works out like this. Wait, I got one for this you. This is one for the ages. What pick, do you got? Pick one player that could be the unsung hero tomorrow. Tomorrow? Okay. And it, it can't start with, uh, it can't rhyme with Schmessi or Schmimbabe. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, uh, Dembele. Ooh, that's a sneaky good one. Yep. I like that. Yep. Because all the focus over there on Mbappe and Dembele, his. He's had a good tournament, hasn't had a great yeah. tournament yet, and he hasn't had a kind of defining moment. And I think he's got it in him. What about you? That's a great call. Yes, I, it I, is. Thank I, you. I might have said Dembele. But you can't because I said it. Um, <laughs> does Enzo Fernandez count as an unsung? Absolutely does, okay. yeah. All right. 
That, that was the one that was starting to trickle into my mind because I was like, I can't say Giroux or Julian Alvarez. You know, if I'd gone semifinal, I said, Nahuel Molina is going to be the guy who's going to score the goal. What about a bench player? Watch like a Dybala. Who's what about, here nothing we go, Latara Martinez off the bench to yeah. score the winner, Ooh, the redemption story. There we go. Not That's all we remember. But, you know, he if, was the guy. If he scores the yeah. goal that wins the World Cup, that gives it. Messi this gift, nobody's going to give a crap what happened before. That's right. That's oh, right. Call it in here. That's a good call. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, 9 a.m. Eastern time. We will be up with you. We will be giving you exactly what you want. That's when our coverage starts for France versus Argentina. Be there. It's going to be fun. Whether you're into soccer or not, be there because it's the place to be. The world is going to be watching. America is going to be watching. Last time I checked, we are part of the world. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun, fun game. Uh, we thank you for tuning in each and every night. We will be back again tomorrow after to wrap up the final. And we will have a new champion. Either Messi holding the trophy that he has coveted so long and this Argentine team and this Argentine country giving him that gift that he so craves. Or on the other side, France winning two consecutive World Cups, being the first team in 60 years to accomplish that feat with Kylian Mbappe, under 24 years old, and possibly winning two World Cups before he turns 24. Incredible stuff, incredible stuff. This has been the State of the Union. This has also been the State of the Union presented by State Farm as it has been all World Cup. We will talk to you again tomorrow. That's Stu Holden, that's David Mossy. I'm Alexi, and until then, size the day. day.